Hey, welcome to the Restoration Podcast. This is Dan Sams. Today I'm with Yuri Amari and Calvin Dorsey. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of God and everything that's going on in the world. Let's get to it. So, I'm going to go a little bit deep. Then we're going to take a, like, like the ocean songs, we're going to go a little bit deep in the water, then we're going to go a bit for some air so it won't be completely heavy. Um, may make some of you feel uncomfortable. I probably will. That's not my intention. My intention is to talk about the Bible and teach from God's Word. So, I apologize in advance for that. Let's begin with prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, um, I just, every single time you give me an opportunity or you say, you say, Lord, I want to, you, you say, Calvin, I need you to go here and I need you to go there. Every time you, I, I'm going to be honest, God, Jesus, I'm completely mind blown that you're still doing that. Because I'm, I, I, every image, every thought and every, I'm just sinful, I'm jacked up. In my head, there's crazy stuff. But you still love me. You still send us. You still do so much amazing things. And even when I don't want to be obedient, and when I don't want to leave, and I don't want to go, you still are kind of like loving to me. And you still say, okay, it's okay, Calvin. I need you, you, you fail. It's okay. You had a setback. But I still love you. Don't stop pursuing me. Don't stop loving me. So I thank you. I thank you for that, Jesus. Um, I just thank you for this room of people who have been obedient to be where you want them to be this morning. Just open up their hearts, open up their minds, open up their, their spirits to you and let them hear, not me, but let them hear your voice, your spirit, and your truth, God. Because I'm just a broken man. You got to make it plain, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So you see the title. is the gospel for everybody. So if you turn on the news, right, sure it's been anywhere, you'll see some type of controversial topic relating to race, relating to issues of primarily black and white. You see it every single day. You have one side that's, that's having an agenda and says, well, 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 they were wrong and they should have did this, right? And then you have one side that's saying, well, 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 why couldn't he get arrested? Then they lose a father and a mother and then police officers lose, children lose parents and dads. So whether we like to talk about it, the world is talking about it. It has an opinion on it. Well, guess what? God has an opinion on it, too. So it's not our business to stay silent on it, but it's to look at the Bible and see what it says. It's the gospel for everybody. All right, so I'll tell you a little bit about me. You heard enough, but I'm going to tell you a little bit more. So if you know me, y'all know me, my people at Village, then it came out from Cleveland, what up? It's my people. That's the cool section. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dan's included. All right. No. But back in like, I got saved about, oh man, it's 12 years ago. It's crazy. 
19-year-old kid, got sold 12 years old, 2004. But I had like an interesting thing happen to me when I first got saved. First got saved and just like everybody else, I had this insatiable hunger to want to tell everybody about Jesus. I said, it's, it's cool that I got saved, so it would be really cool if everybody else I knew got saved. So I just started telling everybody. I'm, I'm annoying my brother. I'm like, hey, Brandon, you going to get Jesus? I'm annoying my friends. I'm annoying my, my family members. I'm like, hey, man, you got, you got to know about this dude named Jesus. To the point where my brother was like, is God is good, but he told me, if you ever talk to me about Jesus, I'm going to punch you in the face again. It was wrong. I, I was a little pushy. But I just wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. Then the transition happened where I started to go uh, into a different college and start going to different places, and I started connecting with uh, other believers from different places and different walks of life, and I started joining like E-teams and evangelism groups, right? So the difference was, though, when I first got saved, when I was sharing the gospel with my friends, my family, and every single person, there was one thing, they all looked like me. So it was cool. Never nervous, never a problem, until I stepped foot into my friend with an E-team. He said, I got this E-team I want you to be a part of, and I want you to go to Beachwood Mall and share the gospel. I said, all right, that's going to be amazing. Cool, let's go to Beachwood Mall. I don't know if you know about Beachwood Mall. Beachwood Mall is in a very nice neighborhood. Probably the whitest of whites you can get. So a little Beachwood Mall, nice stuff. We going in, and I walk up, and, I'm, and I go to walk up to a young white male. And before I could utter a word, he packs up himself, grabs his stuff, and runs in the opposite direction. So I thought that was kind of weird. Me being happy about sharing the gospel, I'm like, shoot, he ain't got no problem. That's just weird. I'm going to go to the next guy. So it began to happen again. A few weeks later, I go evangelizing door, knocking door to door in Bedford, suburb of Bedford. We're knocking on doors. The spirit of God is moving. I mean, prophetically, we go on the doors. People are, uh, God is appointing us to a place. We actually went to a door where a lady was about to commit suicide. And when we opened up the door, she said, I was praying to God to come knock on my door. And when we knocked open the door, we ministered to it. So God's moving, right? We go to the next house. And I'm with a young African-American lady. I go to walk up the door before I step foot on the lawn. An older white male stands up and he says, get the blank off my lawn before I call the police. Before he knew if I was, I could have been doing a census bureau. <laughs> I could have been asking about, can I read your gas meter? But the only thing he saw was my color of my skin. And he told me, get off his lawn. It was heartbreaking. It was disheartening. I had many of the stories, tons. And I know that, that the silent flesh is probably telling you there was some other circumstances on why they did that. But I can tell you it was because of the color of my skin. So what I began to do, I began to weep. I began to cry. And I remember going home. And I said, God, I hung my hat on this verse. I used to have it on my room. It was Matthew 4, 19. It said, I will make you fishers of men. And what happened was, is that I said, God, if you want me to be a fisher of men, how can I fish with people if they don't like me because of the way I look? How can I become a fisher of men? We're going to break down. And then what I did, I did the worst thing imaginable. The worst thing you could imagine, this is what I did. I made a, a, a decision in my heart that I would never share the gospel with another white male ever again. 
I said, every minority on that list is fine. If you're Hindu, Asian, Italian, wherever you came from, but if you were white American male, even Caucasian women, I would still share the gospel, minorities in this country. But if you were a white male, I said I wasn't going to be able to do it. I messed up. I allowed hate, fear, discrimination to shape my theology instead of allowing the love of God to change me. And I was wrong. What I want to share with you guys, so Dan said I was a church planner, right? I still don't know what that is. I'm hoping Dan has figured it out. I still haven't figured it out. But the number one question, you guys just moved in town, a new town. Listen, what's the number one question everybody asks you? Where are you from? Number two, why you move here? Why you move here? So, like, I answer that question kind of differently depending on who it is. So, like, if it's, like, you know, a lay person, a church planner, a seasoned pastor, when it's Dan, I just keep it 100. Uh, <laughs> I just keep it real. But with certain people, I kind of come up with clever ways. But then God had been convicting me and said, why did you become a church planner? And you know why I became a church planner? And this is, and this is the, what I will tell people from this day forward. It's because 12 years ago, not as a church planner, but just as a kid who found and loved Jesus, I had a strong desire to see what we see in Revelation chapter 7 come to life. I believe that. I believe when he said he'll make gospels to all nations, that we will share the gospel to all nations. He will have disciples in every area of this world. I believe that. I believe what we see in Revelation chapter 7, when, when you look and it's just this whole host of people and we get a, 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 a basically a sneak peek into God's glory. I believe that. So let's go there. Revelation chapter 7. And I'm going to begin at verses 9. I don't know if did you have it up there or no? Oh, no, you cool. You good. You good. As long as I got your Bibles, we okay. Like, if you're reading from a weird translation, just close it and then listen. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> We're going to start at verse 9, and I'm gonna, I read pretty quickly. Bella, you go there, too. That's my, that's my niece. I love her to death. She's going to go there, too. And I'm going to start at verse 9, and we'll stop at about verse 12. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and they were crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne, worship God, saying amen. Blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. I don't know about you guys, but when I read that passage and I'm alone, it makes me want to weep. 
it makes me want to stand on my knees, get on my knees, and feel like Isaiah when he went into the temple. He said, for woe is me as I'm a man with unclean lips. Like, I'm not worthy of this, God. How, how, I'm not worthy of your love. I'm not worthy of any of this. When you read that, how can you not want to scream, Hosanna, to Jesus? And then I weep. Because then I say, how do we get there? How do we get there? How do we get there, God? How do we get to, how do we, how do we get, yeah, how do we get there in Revelation chapter 7, Bella? How do we get there? When I look at this world and I see so much hate, so much discrimination, so much division, right? And it's not, and I want to clarify this, this, this is the church. Sunday morning is the most segregated time of any time of the week. Our church planning, uh, uh, Todd Sovine, the director, we had a meeting about how do we deal with this African-American issue and deal with it in the church. And we had a long meeting, and in his prayer, he said, Sunday morning looks like Jim Crow. How do we get there, right? See, when I think about how do we get there, then I remember something else. I remember God. I remember God, right? That our, that our growth, that our love, that, that our sanctification of going to look more like him, that our salvation is not dependent upon us, but it's dependent on him. That is, that is a dope thing. That's a good thing, right? Because if it was dependent on us, it would be all jacked up. Hmm. But how do we get there? Where God says, apart from me, you can do nothing, right? But in, in this passage, it says, from every nation, from all tribes, all peoples and languages, standing before the Lamb and his throne. So I think the answer to the question is, is the gospel for everybody? I think if we read this passage, we say yes. The gospel is for everybody. But how do we get there? And, and I, I don't want, I don't, and I'm sorry, and I, if, forgive me if I minimalize this to a black and white thing. Sorry, and I, that is not my intent. But this is where God has led my heart. It's not my intent. But how do we get to all races, all genders, all people groups in heaven when you crack open the sky and see what God is doing? Now, when I look at the Bible, especially the Old Testament, it would seem that God favors one particular race of people. Who's that one particular race of people? Jews, Jews, okay. So it's, it's weird. It seems like in the Old Testament, he shows his blessings is chosen for one particular race of people. And that descendants of Jacob, right? Jews, Israel. So I thought that was kind of weird because I said to myself, well, if it seems like all these things out of the Old Testament and throughout the Bible seem to favor one particular race, how the heck do we get to Revelation chapter 7? All right, so I'm, 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 I said we're going to go up and we're going to go deep and we're going to go, and, and I haven't went deep yet, so I hope, so I want to I wanna let you know that we're going to go deep biblically um, and unpack some things. So I might bake your noodle. This may be the first time you ever heard some of this stuff, but I want to clarify to you, it is all Bible and it is all exegetical Bible teaching, first and foremost. It's from the scriptures. So... It becomes confusing, right, when you read the scriptures, when you read things in the Bible where it says to the Jew first, then the Gentile. It seems like God separates this race, Jews, once again. Then you go to Romans, I think, it, uh, I want to say chapter 11, when it says that the Jews, that, that he, the Jews denied him and then he grafted in the Gentile nation, right? So once again, you see the separation. 
Jew race, everybody else. If you don't know what a Gentile is, you a Gentile. <laughs> you a Gentile. If you ain't Jew, everybody else. Gentiles. But how do we get to this like rainbow coalition that we see in Revelation chapter 7? It's like, it's like I feel like Al Sharpton's about to stand up in a minute in Revelation chapter 7. But so how do we get to this rainbow coalition, right? Or Galatians chapter 3, we love that one, right? In our gospel for all nations, there's no Jew nor Greek, slave or free, neither male or female. We're all one in Christ. Let me ask you a quick question. Is Judaism or being Jewish a race or religion? Mm, that's a weird thing, isn't it? Probably never been asked that question. I don't know. When I, got, when I first got saved, uh, some people try to say both. Um... And when I first got saved, I used to ask that question all the time, and people would literally either give me no answer or they'll try to say it was both. Um, but I think if you understand the answer to that question, we'll be able to understand the division and the core at what we struggle with here in American Christianity. I'm going to give you the answer, but not right now. First, what God has to do. I always do three points because my old pastor from back in the day did three points, and his pastor before that did three points, and his pastor before that did three points, so I like three points. <laughs> Sometimes I may go four. All right. One, God has to renew our thinking. We all know Romans chapter 12. Be not conformed to this world, ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so you may prove it is the perfect, acceptable, good will of God, Right? We have to renew our minds. Look at the text. After I looked and behold a great multitude that no one can number every nation from all tribes and people and languages. We got to look at some definitions in this text because the way we look at them are not what they seem. Let's look at the first definition of the text says nations. What does that mean? Well, the word in Greek or, you know, that little theological stuff, you're going to say Greek. I'm not going to say the Greek word because then I ain't trying to sound smart because I probably don't even know what it means. But, but the Greek word there is where we get the word ethnicity from, or ethnic, ethnos. I said it, I'm sorry. Which means, and you go to a definition, it means the fact or the state of belonging to a social group that has a common national or cultural tradition. Hmm, repeat that again. The fact of state of belonging to a social group that has a common national or cultural tradition. That's not a race. Race speaks to physical characteristics, color, eye color, nose, hands. That's race, not an ethnicity. Two different things. I told you I'm going to bake your noodle. <laughs> so let me give you a plain explanation. So, all right, so we plant the church, right? Me and my baby, we plant the church. We about to blow up. We blow up. We go T.D. Jakes big, like T.D. Jakes. They see us on Time Magazine. We blow up. We T.D. Jakes big. And I started talking in a deep voice like, God is with you and <laughs> stuff like that. But so we go TDJ, we got money in the bank, we got so much money, so me and the man to do what? We say, you know what, man, we kind of sick of America. We're gonna go buy ourselves an island. So we buy our island, but it's not, it's not a part of America. We take our island, and it's not a part of any other country, and it's our own sovereign land. It's our own place. So then what we start doing, and we say, hey, babe, I think it'd be a good idea if we start making our own laws. Hey, babe, I think it'd be a good idea if we start making our own rules and our own customs and our own traditions. Then we start having kids, and we invited Farida. Dan, you can come to the land, too. Dan's invited. Joe, you're invited, too. You can come, if, only if you want. But you come to this island, 
And, and, and what happens is after about 50 or 60 years, people start referring to us like a country. But then what happens is just like babies, right? We start to form a language. We, we say we don't think English is good enough for us, France is not, French is not good enough for us, Spanish is not good for us. So we start speaking our own language and dialect and form a communication, right? We're Dorseys. We're going, and then after about 100 or so years, they eventually come up to you, the, the world says, you're a Dorsey tribe. Look at you. You look like a Dorsey. You talk like a Dorsey. You act like a Dorsey. The question that comes, is after 500 years, am I black or on Dorsey? Hmm. Good question. But what if, in that same tribe, in that same group of people, started discriminating against another tribe for them doing the same thing? What is that? That's called racism. Still come with me. I'm going down, but I'm going to come back up. But, and once I'm not completely object to me having my own island, I'm just going to let y'all know that right now. I'm not completely object to the idea. See, this is what happens when we read the Bible. Meet you, everyone in this room. Not, no one is exempt. When we read the Bible, we read it through what we call our American lens. We read it through American eyes. We read it through American traditions. So when we see people and we see places, we most of the time identify it with us. We identify with the way we talk, our language. It's so funny, I, ha I heard at an exegetical university um, uh, say one time in the passage where it says that if I be lifted up, I will draw men to myself. And, and he used it in the context and he said, well, if I lift up Jesus' name, if I talk about Jesus, then I'll draw all people to himself. I said, I didn't know they used that slang back in that time. Lift up? He's talking about a physical lifting up. When Jesus is lifted up on the pole. <laughs> we got to look at it not from our American eyes. We put, we put, when we look at people and we look at different figures, we see Caucasian people or we see black people or yellow people. We put it in our own eyes. You don't believe me? All right, check, check this out. Me and my wife are car shopping. So we go to Carfax, right? They, they go, go to CarMax, and then they give us a Carfax history report. So we look at the history report, and they tell us it had one owner. And they tell us all these things about the person did and all this stuff. So me and my wife having a conversation on the way home. What happens is, is she points out, she said, I said, man, yeah, that owner, man, he must have been real thorough with the way he did the car. He must have did all these things. And then she says, well, yeah, she must have did these things. And, and she pointed out to me, she says, funny. We didn't have any of the information or the facts. All we knew was the story of the car. It had no signals of what it may be. But because she's a woman, she saw a woman. And because I'm a man, I saw a man. It had no, no clue. No clue in the text of what it would be. But this is what our brain does. Our brain does so we can relate to it and understand it and communicate it to others. We immediately are related to our own experience. That's how we understand so through the natural understanding, which is not, this is natural. I want to say it's not, don't feel bad because when you read the Bible, you look at it and see yourself. It's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes in most cases it's good. But that's not natural and it's not always the best biblical way to interpret the Bible. When we read the Bible, you got to realize that there is literally hundreds of men and women across thousands of years, across over 40 different countries. So what do you think? You have all these different cultures, 
all these different traditions, all these different things, the way people think and where they come to stuff. So when, when he says that I went to go to my neighbor, it's not about him knocking on the next door. He may have traveled two to three days to get there. If we don't dive into the text and understand cultural, understand history, understand where people come from, what group they came from, what land they traveled from, what was their background or their people, we are doing the text a grave injustice. It's not biblical interpretation. And we may be ignorant to the things God's trying to reveal to you. Nowhere in the Bible, let alone Revelations, will you ever see the word race. Won't see it. Won't come across it. I believe that there's one race of people, the human race. And I'll continue to make my point. I believe that there are one human race, but different people groups and different ethnicities coming from different cultures, different customs that have migrated to different parts of the world. So you have a different culture, a different place, but you don't necessarily have to look different. Hmm. I hope y'all still with me. I'm going to come back up in a second. What does that mean, right? I want you to understand this because race, you know what's so crazy? The word race didn't even exist until about 200 years ago. And it was basically a word invented so it can categorize people by their physical characteristics. Hmm. Is separation at that level? Is it ever biblical to do that? No. I know Dan, he hates division. We, like the, the Bible hates division. So why would someone create that? I don't know, but it happened. And over time, we have discrimination. When God looks down from heaven and he looks at you or he looks at me, he does not see black Calvin. He sees Calvin. He does not see white Dan. He sees Dan, crazy Dan, but Dan. He sees Joe, he sees people. He sees broken people who are in need of a savior. He looks down, he doesn't see your physical characteristics. That's why I believe when we get our glorified bodies, all those things won't even exist. Those things won't exist. We'll recognize each other, but all those features, because the Bible doesn't even explicitly tell it. If God wanted to, he could have told the race of Jesus why he didn't. Why he didn't give a description of what he looked like? Because everybody be fighting about who's special. When he looks down at people, he does not see race. He sees people. That brings me to my next. We had to train the way we think. I hope you're with me. The next point says God doesn't see color. I want you to understand this. God does not see color. Earlier I said I asked the question, was Judaism or race a religion? It's neither. It's a collective of people who were in covenant relationship with God. A group of people who were in covenant relationship with God. Look back at the second half of the text. Now, these group of people that he was just naming off. Now, in this mix, he first named off Jewish people of Jewish bloodline descent. Then he goes in and names off all these different rainbow coalitions. And what he says here, he says, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed with the robes and palm branches and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. The one thing these people all have in common is that they're in covenant relationship with their creator. Who is responsible for their salvation? I want to say this. God redeems people who are for him. 
I don't care what your background is. He redeems people who are for him. People always always say this, and you know, some people have a theology or understanding. They say everybody going to heaven. So that sound weird. So why is everybody going? Why does that sound weird? I say it sounds weird because some people hate Jesus. And some people don't want to be around Jesus. So then God, who is all loving and all kind, would send you to eternity to be with a place, person you don't want to be with. Some of my people got some ex-girlfriends, ex-wives, feel me. You don't want to go to eternity with somebody you don't want to be with. Why would God allow everyone to go to heaven when everyone's not for Jesus? He would not force you to spend eternity with him if you didn't want to spend eternity with him on earth. God is redeeming people who are for him. If you don't believe me, that God doesn't care about race. I never had trained. You told me about it. If God doesn't believe about race, now they're going to be like, this angry black man was yelling at us, talking over the... I can see the memes now. It's going bad. If you don't believe me that God doesn't care about physical attributes, let me ask you a quick question. We know that God's chosen people are Jews, right? And if God blessed the Jews or only this bloodline of Israel, this Jewish people, how come Adam, Eve, Abel, Noah, and Abraham weren't Jews? I don't know if you missed it. If God only blesses this one race of people and this Tristan, this, uh, this line, this bloodline, how come Adam was not a Jew? Abraham was not a Jew. I, I told you, I'm, I'm a, y'all probably never heard of this. They're not Jews. Why? Does it make perfect sense? If you look at the book of Hebrews chapter 11, what do we see? We see all those names. We see, they talk about the great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. They talk about uh, uh, Abraham, and they talk about he was redeemed by faith. He says, he talks about Abel when he uh, uh, spared the whole thing, and it says he was redeemed by faith. It talks about Noah, how he was redeemed by faith. Hmm. Who was the birth of the Israel nation? Jacob. How could they be Israels or Jews before Jacob even existed? It's impossible. But here in Hebrews 11, it clumps them together as part of God's chosen people. So clearly, we start to see something that maybe God wasn't just redeeming a race or a bloodline, but he was redeeming people that was after his heart. Hmm. They weren't Jews. I want to quote to you something from a biblical scholar known for uh, biblical theology and race, and he understands, he's, he's a real pro- uh, proponent on biblical interpretation, really well-known guy by the name of Daniel J. Hayes. He says, Eve, Noah, and even Adam cannot be called Israelites. It is highly unlikely that their language would even be recognizable as Hebrew. We don't even know the language they spoke, Adam and Eve. You know, some people believe that maybe the gift of tongues is a resemblance of what they spoke before he gave them a language. Never know. I don't know what that school thought. I don't know. We don't know what tongues is. I'm still investigating. (laughs) But before they came, they were not Hebrews. They were not Israelites. If you look through the history, every scholar would agree, Abraham was an Amorite from Mesopotamia. Actually, to be more exact, from Western Mesopotamia. Meaning that he was from modern-day Iraq and Iran. Remember when he moved Abraham? Y'all remember Abraham? He moved his family to the land of Cana, and then when he had kids, he said, go back to my land and come go get a husband and a wife. Then some of them listened, some of them didn't. You know how that goes. We all want our kids to marry somebody. 
and they don't listen. But what you see is people who are not classified as Israel or Jews, but they're still in the kingdom of God come 11. You're probably like, ah, oh, man, I don't know. That's a stretch. Okay, that's a stretch. We don't believe me? I'll take you again somewhere else. In Hebrews chapter 11, they named somebody else off, a lady named Rahab. All my Bible scholars, y'all know who Rahab is. She was a lady from the conquering land. Joshua, he wanted to take out. Jericho. So he needed a way in because they had the really high wall. So he said, I need a spy, right? I need a spy to take out Jericho. He goes to a woman who's the woman, a harlot. You know, they believe that she worked in like some type of house or brothel or whatever you want to call it. And they asked her, I need you to spy out the land to take down your own people. Hmm. She helps them. And then in the text, if you go to Joshua, I believe it's chapter 6, verse 25, and we don't have to go there, but it says in uh, Joshua chapter 6, verse 25, that it said because of her faith and what she had did for them, her obedience, it said that not only her, but her family, her children, her brothers and sisters would now become Israelites. She definitely ain't no Jew. Her name is Rahab. Which the first word means Ra, coming from an Egyptian god. So she probably came from Egyptian descent. She ain't no Jew. But God says she's coming along with the family. Hmm, not a race, but people after God's own heart. I got more. I got more. I'm going to go one last thing, and you can turn here. Go with me to Ruth chapter uh, 1. And I'm sorry to bounce around, but I'm trying to build a sound theological case here. Okay? Go to Ruth chapter 1 and turn to verse 16. And y'all know Ruth. Ruth, her husband died, and then you got her uh, mother-in-law who is Naomi. Now Naomi is an Israelite. Ruth is not. She married into the family. But her husband died, and then Naomi is telling both of her daughter-in-laws, hey, I mean, go back to your own land and find a husband. Go back to your own land and go with your, and follow their gods. You don't have to stay here because it'd be a long time before I have another child. And you ain't going to have another husband. You, you, you better go to your people because you ain't going to stay here with the Israelites. It ain't going to work out too well. So she's urging her. Verse 16 says, and Ruth says this out of a heart and her passion, and God honored it. Ruth says, do not urge me to leave or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. A person who is not of Jewish descent, not a descendant of Jacob, but because of her willingness and love for God, he invited her into the family fold. Hmm. Sees her connection to Jehovah God. God is no respecter of person. He doesn't see color nor race, not hair, not clothes. He's not a respecter of person. He sees people who are after a heart of him. That's why he loved David so much. David, everybody says David was so jacked up, and he says, why does God love him? He said, because he was a man after God's own heart. He didn't see just the, the, always the muck and mire. He saw a man that was after the heart of God. Hmm. Being covenant relationship. When you understand... You're, you're, you reform your mind and renew your mind to stop seeing race in the Bible and start seeing people groups that have come and changed and different things, you will literally see the Bible through a different lens. 
all these names and all these people will start to make connections and make sense. So you can't see it. You have to renew your mind, and then also you have to see that God does not see color. My last point, and I'm done. I'm sorry for being longer. Third point. God always had people in mind. Notice. He had, God always had all people in mind. It was never just to be this exclusive thing from one people who look like one thing. Get out your mind this picture of Judaism and we see the guys and the rabbis on certain streets and they got the curly hair and the hats. That's not a complete picture of Judaism. If you go back over to the Middle East, I promise none of them will look like that. What you will see is people who look like Palestinians. I always say this, if you want to know more so where some of the Jewish originated from, go to your local 7-Eleven. Not to be racist. When I got my Slurpee the other day, I saw someone who looked like they could have been Jesus. That is what you're going to see. Not what we have in our mind. Not black, not white, not yellow, but he was from the Middle East. Hmm. But God had all people in mind. This is why I know God had all people in mind. Before the Israel nation even existed, that's what, you know, I used to always have a problem. I used to think Revelation 7, I used to be like, man, you know, Revelation 7 is the end, so the beginning must be Matthew 28. I'm going to make, go make disciples of all nations, and then that's the, first, that's the start of it. And then the end is Revelation 7. I had a limited thinking. So then I went back and said, okay, Genesis 16 must be it when he gave the promise and the covenant to Abraham. Say, so, okay, that must be the beginning of it. I missed it again. So I was studying and my, my, my Bible teachers will know this. What is the proto-gospel? The first time you ever look in Scripture and see the gospel ever. Where is it at? The first time you ever look in Scripture. Real quick. Somebody give me an answer. Genesis. Oh, my God. I got some Bible scholars in here today. Genesis. He says, your seed will crush the serpent's head. Before anyone knew what they looked like, before anyone knew what they were about, before they had, we even knew what their features or the characteristics or how they smelled and how they looked and how they acted and what color their hair was, God said, your seed, which was Jesus, will crush his head. That's a gospel for all ethnicities. Jesus was the seed. It's for all men, all women, all children, all people groups everywhere. That's the way we get to Revelation chapter 7. The way we get to Revelation chapter 7, we realize we're already there. We get to Revelation chapter 7 when we realize that Hebrew nation, God chose this Hebrew nation thousands of years ago before he made Adam. But when you look at Adam, you get the DNA for every single person in the human race. I hate to tell you this, and I know you may be sorry, but I'm your, rela- I'm your relative. I'm going to come in your house and mess up some stuff. <laughs> Keep the chicken ready. But listen, in Adam, you have the DNA makeup for every single human being. You have the DNA makeup for black people, white people, yellow people, brown people, big heads, small head, noses, everything. You got some with the close eyes close together and the eyes far apart. They may slant, they may come up, they may look weird. I don't know. The DNA makeup, you may got crazy hair like me, but the DNA makeup existed in Adam for everybody in the human race. So we get there is that the gospel being for all ethnicities, and I want to say this, stop using the word race, say people groups. 
because it's talking about people from a cultural background, traditions, and customs, not a skin complexion. Not a skin complexion. But he's saying it's for everybody. That's what he had. And the makeup of Adam is the DNA for all humankind. And I can go into this. I love science, and I can go into the whole micro versus macro evolution thing and really bake your noodle, but I'm not going to go there. So was there black in his DNA? Yes. Was there white? Yes. But it was every makeup. Hmm. So when it says in Romans, other people groups have to be grafted in, all races already existed. Inside the Hebrew, the actual word Hebrew actually means just person from across the lake. <laughs> so it's just talking about somebody who's coming from a different land. It ain't talking about his race or what he look like. Just mean a person from across the land. So, and I, I'm done. I want to say this. When I let that person scare me, and I let hate, and I let all that jacked up stuff stop me from sharing this gospel, right? From telling people the truth and stop, stop showing love. I was in error. I was in deep error. And I eventually had to repent because what I did in that section, I let Satan win. I basically said, you know what? Because of his hate, he's not worthy of the gospel. But I knew I was worthy of the gospel when I had hate in my heart. Everyone was worthy of the gospel. I knew that. And I was in error back then. The gospel is for everybody. God doesn't see color. He sees people groups coming from this land and this land and this land. If you go to Ancestry.com, you will be shocked. <laughs> go do the DNA testing. You will be shocked. It's actually, uh, I'm going to throw this one in there. It's actually a documentary that they did, which I think you will love, and it's so pretty cool, is they did a documentary on uh, 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 DNA and where we all come back from. And they said scientifically they proved that all DNA has a trace back to Africa. Hold on. Where was the Garden of Eden? Hmm. There we go. Right back to the same two people. Scientists are coming. They don't, they don't, I said, well, I need a DNA test to show me that. Genesis told me that. Some people say that the gospel shouldn't mix with social issues. And they say, you know, Christians, it's not, the gospel is not a social issue. I shouldn't speak up. I have, a, I have a word to you, and I say it kindly. I want you to read Proverbs chapter 17, verse 15. Read that. You don't got to do it right now, but just read it. It says, the one who justifies the unrighteous is the same as the person who committed the act. So when you stand by and justify injustice, you're just as abomination as the person who did the act. If you don't believe that the gospel deals with a social issue, read Corinthians. I mean, yeah, read Corinthians. When one person rejoices, we all rejoice. When one person suffers, we all suffer. So when you see your brother, no matter what color or race he is, going through something, if you do not show love to him, you are in sin. If you do not help him, you are in sin. If you do not support him in his plight, you are in sin. So I love that man right there. Every day he fights and shows no difference or partiality because of the color of my skin, but he loves me and he talks about what is wrong regardless of race and creed. You say the gospel is not a social issue? 
The gospel deals with the greatest social issue that the mankind has ever had called sin. And if God didn't intervene with that, we all wouldn't see heaven. But he did. He got himself involved in that social issue. I pray that you look in the Bible with a different lens. To not just have all our cultural bias. Theologians call it presupposition. I hate big words like that, but it's just called personal bias. Whatever you've seen and whatever you've cultured and whatever you experience, that's what you read the lens of the Bible do. Do the work, study, find out what it is actually is happening. So you want to offend people. The Bible has been used to do so much hate and wrong because people chose not to study. Took it at face value and said, we're going to slave people. We're going to hurt people. And it's not just blacks. It's all across the board. Every ethnic group. That's all I got. Thank you for allowing me to share with you guys.